0: now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeart radio. Jason is uh, he's a co-founder of uh, numerous successful tech companies and he's a researcher and uh, lecturer and, and and we enjoy his presentations and what he does on ancient civilizations and technologies his research has been featured globally on the discovery channel sci-fi channel the bbc he's lectured around the world and has guested on the history channel show ancient aliens now for 10 years he has also authored numerous books on his research including the knowledge apocalypse and i would like to welcome back to coast to coast the one and only jason martell Jason, good evening, my friend. How are you?
1: Hey, Jimmy. Thank you so much for having me on your show.
0: You know, uh, Jason, welcome back. And I, I want to start here tonight. We've got a lot to uh, talk about tonight. But what's really cool about you and I is that we are genuine friends, right? We hang out. Yeah. We do things together uh, away from the UFO community and stuff. But yeah, we do. But one of the things, uh, and I think the audience will enjoy this, Uh, We talk about UFOs and technology a lot, but I've never asked you this off the air. The success of ancient aliens has been tremendous. And what do you think its effect has been on pop culture that wouldn't necessarily be into lost history or ETs or UFO or alien technology? Is it really helping expose the world to this grand question?
1: I think it is. I mean, the the topic of ancient aliens in the last, let's say, 20 years is something that's caught, I think, a lot of people's attention. And we can talk about some of that tonight, how it might even fuel the modern-day disclosure. And, you know, what's really, I think, interesting on some of these topics, Jimmy, is for people to realize that there's a wealth of research in history, in our modern history, that shows that for some time now, There seems to be something going on. And again, this isn't my main field of research. I'm going to give it a little caveat before diving into this. Uh, But I am aware of this, and I'm only regurgitating the information that's currently available within our community. But I do think it's interesting because it does tie into the field of research in ancient technology for ancient astronaut theory or looking into the past. But there's a wealth of modern research, even to the time of President Reagan, investigating the fact that we clearly have a large space presence that we're not being told about. Um, if there is going to be any type of disclosure, I think an interesting topic to discuss is the fact that do we already have a very large presence in space, and if we do have that technology, where did we get that inspiration? Looking to the past. So going over to some of those topics tonight, I think will be kind of inspiring for uh, the audience to understand uh, that that connection.
0: Well, for you, uh, when we look back to the end of 2017, with a disclosure happening in the mass media on the UFO subject, uh, what did that do for you? Uh, take me through that moment as you started to hear this break.
1: Well, honestly, Jimmy, you know, being, you know, hearing hearing these cycles happen in our circle, um, um, Stephen Bassett. Um, Stephen Greer, and now, you know, by the great work of people like Tom DeLong. you know, this this isn't new. There have been others who have tried to crack the political egg or, you know, awareness at a government level. Um, And so, you know, while this isn't my field of research, I I always give credit to those tackling that part of this uh, conundrum. And... For me, what, what I think is really interesting is to realize, realize that the modern-day disclosure efforts really are fueled by, by the last 20 years of some very interesting research that, you know, in the public domain, and if people look into this, it really starts to raise a lot of questions, especially starting off with something, uh, you know, in the Reagan administration, where he himself was bragged by some of the Air Force personnel at the time or uh, it could have been Navy, which we'll dive into why Navy has more of a presence in space than the Air Force. But they basically told Reagan, you know, in, in extolling their efforts, well, we can now orbit over 300 people around the sun. Well, our shuttles only hold four, you know, pilots and a you know, fleet of four or five shuttles. We're talking 20 people max. Where did they get this number 300? So there's a lot of stuff in the official archives, presidential information, some of these sources that give us strong hints to our much larger presence uh, that we clearly have been uh, secretly building uh, some type of fleet, if you will. At least that's the word on the street in our community. Uh, that, that for a long time now, even the uh, black budget spending trillions of dollars. Maybe all of this is going towards some spe- some uh, secret space fleet.
0: Why do you think the navy would be the branch of the military to spearhead a space fleet?
1: That's a great question, Jimmy. You know, if we look at the Air Force, um, even though they rule the skies of Earth, they're pretty much all about individual craft, um, different types of craft. The, The Navy is all about building fleets. That means an organization of craft. And so if you look at some of the logos for the advancement of the Naval Command, the logos are now Naval Space Command. So they clearly have a presence... Beyond our oceans, and odd as it may seem, yeah, the Navy seems to be having a very large presence. From what from what I understand, um, that they now have fleets of spaceships uh, that we've been utilizing for several decades uh, in outer space. And again, this is an information I can confirm firsthand. It's information that's coming from many different sources within our field, but. The the beauty of what we can do, Jimmy, as researchers, as you said, you know, is connect these dots and show a lucrative a lucrative amount of information to support some of these as ostentatious of a of a hypothesis as some of these things might be.
0: I have uh, the audience is going to find this interesting. Jason has an image. He's got an image, and I've had the privilege of. Uh, meeting some of the people that uh, work with Jason uh, with one of his tech companies and they are your typical tech company staff, right? Uh, you know, geeks, nerds, intelligence, uh, engineers, and all of this stuff going on, but do they know or uh, about you and, you know, like this show tonight, and do you guys discuss this around the office?
1: Well, that's funny you'd ask that, Jimmy, and, you know, honestly, honestly, man, I wouldn't normally cross these fields or talk about it, and I haven't really done so in the past. However, uh, the team of people, and I extol them, and I'm very grateful, but the team that I currently am working with, uh, I have a startup company, and I'm working with some very wonderful people. One of them you know in our field, Walter Cruttenden. Right. Um, and so we have a company that we're starting now called Blast, which the product will be launching here in a couple of months. Um, it's a very fun product. And, and so, yes, in this company, the, the spearheading of our backstory around the procession of the equinox, how there's a lot of hidden knowledge, esoteric knowledge in our history, and being able to understand that to help humankind, you know, we can also do that with modern technology. And so, yes, I've been very grateful, Jimmy, to, to be able to help, you know things in our society in the modern technology phase of what I do and so the ancient technology part i've always wanted to merge the two and so thankfully things are allowing me to do that in the direction where topics like ancient aliens and ufo's and space fleets and things like that while we don't have the answers even like in your bumper intro this is what intelligent people should be doing is questioning the status of of normal uh, uh, you know procedures and things that are just status quo. Let's push beyond those boundaries and and find the answers and things that really make life exciting. And that's what really thrills me is the opportunity to to live life on that level and seek the answers.
0: What do you do about critics? And it, it, that that includes, you know, the staff over at Prometheus too as well. You know, they they come at ancient aliens pretty hard and and they also attack the personalities like yourself. Um, on ancient aliens, how do you deal with that?
1: Uh, well, you know, I just you know, again, if you if you have ten voices speaking to you, and eight of them are telling you, "Good job, keep going, you're doing awesome," and two of them are saying, "You're the devil," or you know, "What you're doing is wrong." Who do you choose to listen to? And it's and it's your choice. And so, you know, over time, I think being in this field hardens researchers to trust their instinct, if they are on the right level of, of integrity and honesty and what they're going for, then sticking by that is usually the best bet. I give hands-down props to our good friend Giorgio for, you know, leading the torch, taking that out of Eric Von Daniken's hand and leading the torch of the ancient astronaut theory because, yes, it is extremely difficult uh, for some people in our field who are, who are really pioneering and, and leading that uh, that charge with their personality and Giorgio and others, even William Henry. I know you had him on a couple other night, uh, a couple nights ago. I quietly was listening in. I give all of my uh, uh, you know personalities in this field that we work with credit because uh, it is it's definitely not easy. But the tides are turning, Jimmy, and that's why it's so exciting that topics like disclosure can now be. Can now be discussed with an honest and open opinion and not go, ha <laughs> ha disclosure. Right. No. Let's talk about it honestly and see are there things that could happen this year or within our lifetime that actually change the spectrum of how we view our our, our, our lives?
0: Last year, the spin off uh, convention AlienCon uh, kicked off, which shows you. Um, you know, the effect Ancient Aliens has had on popular culture It was an immense success. Uh, you know, uh, 15,000, 20,000 people at that convention. That That's pretty good for a, for a cable television show. But let me tell you what a lonely convention is. A lonely convention is the skeptics conference. Right? <laughs> you walk in and they're, you know, what, is everybody here? Yeah, all three of us, you know. And, and so... There, there's a big difference there for me. When you saw the, the success of AlienCon, does that validate, you know, when you're seeing uh, all corners of, of society showing up, uh, you know, children, young and old and, and all the generations represented?
1: It was overwhelming in a good way. I mean, honestly, Jimmy, you know, we do this every year uh, in succession and conferences like Conscious Life Expo, Contact in the Desert, Various other organizations and institutions along the way that have these repeating events, if they're lucky, the turnout is, with max turnout, standing room only, 3,000 people. Right. So for AlienCon to pull in 15,000 people, um, yeah, it was overwhelming, but in a good way. And while we're going to do it again this year, closer to home in L.A., and I'm sure it's going to be even more overwhelming, um, You know, the gratitude from the fans and being able to just, connect with people, as you said, all age ranges, age ranges from child to parents, um, you know, parents enjoy this because their kids are like, dad, this is cool. And so they're like, well, son, let's watch it together then. So it's, it's creating camaraderie um, in, in areas that help that gap between child and parent, giving them something in common to, you know, latch onto.